Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime to my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, Big Neil? It's quite the day, Lance. It's quite the day to start off our media coverage of Steelers-Ravens week. Another chapter in the legendary rivalry that is Pittsburgh versus Baltimore. Two teams down a little bit, perhaps, from what they've been historically. And that has kind of been more of the theme of this game the last couple of years. But what we know is anytime these teams get together, it's going to be a tight, competitive football game. And can you ask for more than that in December right now with this team, Lance? I don't think that you can. I'm excited for it. I hope everybody else is as well. Yeah, you know, my my arrogance as a Steeler fan, I always laugh a little when they say it's Ravens week. Yeah, you know. But, you know, it, it's true. It, it is a rivalry. Uh, the Ravens are very competitive, and they compete very well with the Steelers, and very rarely do we see one team sweeping the matchup. Uh, we did last year, but but, so that, but that's rare. Two years in a row now. Yeah, two years in a row, actually. And, and, and that's rare, and that's why it's going to be a fantastic game. And big up to Reginald Rivers chiming in from Bartlett, Tennessee. And I'm sure it's cold there this morning, but not quite yeah. as cold as it is in the frosty north of Minnesota. It's snowing to beat all hell right now. Yeah. I don't understand that phrase. I never have. I just know that I only use it when it is snowing to beat all hell, which is what we have right now. It's going to make a sloppy school commute this afternoon. We're used to it. December yeah, I, need, I need snow graphics for your side of the screen. When it snows a lot, so I like to think the hat signifies that. That means, yes, yes, that's a great one. That's a great one. It's been (laughs) kind of cold here too. But before we jump into the first segment of the show, Neil's Nuggets, I want to say you can reach the show by going to YouTube, doing a search for the New Standard and Lance Williams, or you can go do the same with the New Standard and Neil Kulong on YouTube. Also, you can hit us via podcast. Go to any podcast feeder that you search for. Do a search for Steelers and the new standard. And you're checking out the program on December 7th, 2022. So, Neil, why don't you put a bow on Sunday's game? Is there any nuggets you want to jump into from that game that we kind of missed from last Sunday? I'm not sure if we missed a, a whole lot. It didn't seem like there was much we didn't know or weren't aware of. Coming from that game, Lance went somewhere. I'm not sure. I'm going to keep talking, though. The main takeaway that I had from this game, uh, again, watching it in review, it was kind of the same thing. Kenny Pickett just missed on a few plays. The Steelers' offense just missed a few of the opportunities that it had to bury a Falcons team that cannot throw the ball particularly well, lives and dies with the run game, which is formidable, as we saw. And the opportunity that the Steelers passed on, I don't want to say passed on, but missed the throws, in fact, uh, would have put Atlanta down far enough where they would have had to put the ball in the air a little bit more, and I think the game would have been a a pretty significant blowout. Instead, uh, the Steelers were not able to execute on a few of those plays. The Falcons got their ground game together and were able to make this game much more sporty than I I think it could have been uh, watching it from the first half. This team is, is just on the edge of things, Lance. They're, they're just on the edge. And I'm not saying that this is a dominant, they're going to win two playoff games type of team, but 
if, if we're, our focus is on the future, our perspective is a, a little bit further down the line, you have to be very pleased with how they're building things now. What we have seen from this team coming out of the, the bye week is a considerably better uh, overall team than the one we started the season with. And the big point to make along with that is they're getting basically no production from TJ Watt reigning defensive player of the year clearly isn't right for them to, to be playing the football that they are without that presence on defense is, is impressive overall. If they can get Watt back to, to healthy, if they can get him around the level that we've gotten so used to seeing from him, they're going to be a really hard team to beat down the stretch. And it, it's another week. We'll see come Sunday what's, what sort of shape Ravens killer TJ Watt is in. I wouldn't think that he's going to be particularly outstanding, but I, I know not to bet that guy out. You know what? Mike Tomlin says something very interesting. I was reading some of his comments uh, from his press conference on steelcity.insider.com on Jim Wex's site. And he said something very interesting. And, and, and to Mel's point, I want to do give Mike Tomlin some kudos. Mike Tomlin is a quality football coach. But the reason probably we don't wax poetic about Tomlin on this show is we think Tomlin is a very good football coach. And we don't probably feel, or at least I don't feel, I have to defend you know, how well Tomlin does as a coach. But Tomlin says something very interesting. And it kind of echoes some of the things you said in Neil's Nuggets is stay tuned. He used the phrase, stay tuned. And when I look at Kenny Pickett and, and your description of the game on Sunday, I do kind of think of stay tuned. I, I think that the best is yet to come with Kenny Pickett. And I think right now it's just determining, you know, what Kenny Pickett's ceiling is. But we have time to do that, and they have time to do that. But I think it is stay tuned. Stay tuned. I think you're going to see something very special from this kid coming up very soon. And, and what you're seeing week in and week out is that he's stacking consistent play and the Steelers are stacking victories. Before we jump into the main topic of the program, Neil, I do want to ask you one thing. And the main topic of the program is Najee the key to a Steelers victory against the Ravens. Big up to Felicia. Hey, Felicia. And um, is Kenny Pickett, I know I, I text this to you. You didn't respond, but I want I want to get your response on the air. <laughs> is Kenny Pickett a poor man's Joe Burrow? Um, no, no. Um, that that you can go a thousand different ways to justify either yes or no with that kind of a question. I mean, I'm not even sure exactly what that means. Neither one of them are being paid anywhere close to what the market value is for, for a starting quarterback, veteran starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, Pickett also is a rookie who has not played a whole lot and hasn't even put up a, what, a, a, a two touchdown, no interception performance to this point in his career. I, I, I think that's right. It, it's close if it's not exactly on. Uh, Joe Burrow was just named AFC Offensive Player of the Week, uh, defeating a, a, a very good opponent in a critical game for the Bengals this year. And he probably cost himself, well, not cost, but uh, the appendectomy that he had to start off the season cost him a, 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 probably a front runner position right now for MVP. And he still could win that. Pickett is less than that, 
if that's what you mean by poor man. I'm thinking about um, no poor man's. I'm thinking of like physical tools. Like when I look at the two, physically. Pickett is, Pickett is most NFL quarterbacks poor man then. That, that's the other point that I was going to make. He is, I, people don't like this, the, the Kenny Pickett stands freak out over this kind of thing. It, it, it is just simply a fact. He does not have great traits in comparison to the upper echelon quarterbacks in the NFL. That doesn't mean that he can't lead his team to wins. It doesn't mean that he can't have some success. It does mean, though, that there is more uh, that, that has to go in to preparing a quarterback like Kenny Pickett. There are more parts of the overall offense that really have to be outstanding to make an offense successful with him as quarterback. Everybody hates this, and I can hear Emmanuel Echo complaining about it. The social media quarterback, Justin Herbert, which is an absolute joke to me, the, the way that he is able to play the game makes up for a tremendous lack of, of offensive talent on that team. They've had a lot of key guys out, but Herbert, there, there was a touchdown pass that he threw like 35 yards off his fingertip like it was nothing and he put it on the money a very difficult throw very tight window Pickett cannot make throws like that when you can't do that eliminate those kinds of plays you see in in Pickett's numbers you you get a sense of a lack of ability to do that I highlighted on the 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 postgame show last week the throw that uh, Pickett just missed a Fryermuth. Might have been Fryermuth's best route he's ever run. It was an excellent route in coverage. Very tough throw. I'll give Pickett that. He missed him by about a foot, which isn't really all that far uh, considering the distance of the throw. If he has a stronger arm, if he has a little bit more accurate of an arm, if he puts that throw right where it needs to go, that's seven points. Uh, the Steelers eventually got a touchdown on that drive, but if, if you add in one throw like that a game over the course of a season, you're looking at a dramatically better player. Pickett is yeah. not going to be able to make those throws consistently. And it, it's not it, – I can hear Doug Farrar arguing with me as far as Kenny Pickett's deep ball ability, and I, I will agree to that. But to this point in his NFL career, we've seen him miss on those throws far more often than he's hit them. So my point in, in trying to compare it to Herbert um, or, or Mahomes or Burrow – the arm talent that those guys have give them the ability to make those kinds of throws regularly. So they're able to call those, those types of plays more often because they have confidence that they're going to be able to succeed with them. You right, don't right. have that today with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett has to complete 35 passes to get 300 yards. You don't see that with the Herberts <laughs> and the, the Mahomes because they can hit those 50, 60 yard pass plays. We don't have a guy that can do that right now. Um, I, I have faith. Pickett is a better deep ball thrower than what we've seen to this point. Um, I, I, some of this, we're, if you want to get into play calling yet again, we can do that. Some of it is just chemistry. Uh, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to go on. They don't want him to uh, have to put the game on the line with every single throw because they know he's not overly skilled. He doesn't have great tools. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying he isn't one of those types of guys. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I understand. They're setting him up reasonably, and he's picking up more. They're doing more and more stuff, um, which which is always good uh, for for a team to do. And he'll grow into it. It's it's a good thing. Um, yeah, this is. I have a, yeah, this, I have an emergency here, Lance. I'm going to let you take. Okay. Yeah, this was something that I wanted to throw out uh, when we asked the question about. Uh, Kenny Pickett. 
Uh, I mean, the other thing I think Steelers Freak gave a good comp when he said is is Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones. I think he's a little bit better physically uh, than Mac Jones. But the main topic of the program is, is Najee the key to a Steelers victory against the Ravens? Over the last four games against the Saints, and I want you guys to chime in on the chat to that question, that is Najee the key to a Steelers victory against the Ravens? Against the Saints, Najee Harris, 20 carries, 99 yards, average five yards a carry. Against the Bengals, 20 carries, 90 yards, 4.5 yards per carry. Against the Colts, 10 carries, 35 yards, 3.5 yards a carry. And last Sunday, against the Falcons, 17 carries, 86 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. So over that four-game spell in which the Steelers are 3-1 and one with victories over the Saints, Colts, and Falcons, He's carried the ball 67 times for 310 yards for 4.6 yards per carry. Now, I'm not sure, but I think this is probably the best stretch of Najee Harris's career. And what I was going to ask Neil, and Neil might jump back on, hopefully everything's okay with Neil. And I'll ask you guys the question in the chat. Is a four-game sample size big enough to say that Neil and I were wrong about Najee. I mean, and, and I saw where Neil went back and forth with a couple people on Twitter. And I think in terms of podcasts and different shows, you know, I think we've been harder, or I should say fairer, fairer, more fair, uh, with Najee Harris and his evaluation from our perspective than most. I mean, when you listen to this show, we typically do not take the Homer perspective. And um, let me get Neil back on. And um, we're on the move today, Lance. Sorry, this is uh, that's fine. That's fine. Domestic issue. That's fine. First ever uh, showing of us on the move. I hope everything is okay. But let me ask you this question. Um, and and I jumped into some stats mm-hmm. for Najee Harris over the four games, and I saw where. You kind of went back and forth with a couple of people on Twitter about Najee Harris. And uh, let me ask you this question before we jump into the main question. Is a four-game sample size big enough to say we were a little bit wrong about Najee? Um, I'll, I'll say this, okay? Because we, we get into these kinds of debates all the time. Everybody here knows my feelings of Najee Harris up until the bye week. I will stand by that. Because, frankly, I was right. After the bye week, it's a different story. Those two things can exist, okay? This is not as binary an issue as people want to make it out to be. He was not good before the bye. He's playing much better now. That's not a coincidence. He, he improved his game. There are th- yeah, I'm sure we may have some tech difficulties with Neil as Neil tries to drive I want Neil to drive safely. Uh, hop back on, Neil. I hear you. All right. <clears throat> gotcha. Well, as Neil tries, I know the connection is going to be inconsistent. But, you know, what I think Neil is going to say is that, and, and, and it goes to Mel's point, and, and Mel chimed in. Mel said, first of all, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Both of you do your research. His performance to that point was not very good. And I don't, uh, people that think that they're somehow 
vindicated by the fact that he's now performing better, uh, it, it doesn't, it makes any and all criticism that he ever received invalid. And that's just wrong. He deserved the criticism. He earned it. That was his game. Again, it's not personal. And I'm not trying to dunk on anybody by saying it. I'm just saying that it's, it's my role within media to explain what's going on within the team. And Najee Harris did not run particularly well. I don't want to give him 9,000 excuses. I don't want to make it out to be like blocking has to be absolutely perfect for him to do anything. If that was the case, they absolutely should not have drafted him in the first round. And that's still an argument for, for discussion, to be honest. But the reality is Najee Harris, he has improved. His game has gotten better. The Steelers' offense as a whole has gotten better, and he is a big part of that. So he deserves the accolades that he's now getting. It's not, you know, it's not Emmett Smith in 2000. 1993 or anything, but he's performing at a much better level, and he deserves to be uh, credited with that. That does not change the the below mediocre level that he was playing at prior to the buy. Both of those things can and do exist in this case. Let me ask. Let me ask listeners out there because I know Mel said he couldn't hear you. Uh, hopefully, everybody can hear you out there because we're going to keep jumping into the topic. Uh, and I thank you, Neil. And they said, put your seatbelt on. And I do see that your seatbelt is attached back there. They said seatbelt, Neil. Uh, uh, I could definitely hear Neil, uh, Mel. Um, they say they can barely hear you. I don't know if you could turn it up, but whatever you can do is fine. I appreciate that you hopped back on and stayed on. Let me jump into the main question. The main question is, is Najee the key to a Steelers victory? against the Ravens and Neil might try to hop back on and over the course of the last four games as a team against the Saints uh Neil hop back on against the Saints the Steelers ran it 43 times for 217 they averaged five yards carry they ran it 24 times against the Bengals got 102 they lost that game but averaged 4.3 they ran it 36 times against the Colts for 172 4.8 they ran it 37 times for 154 for 4.2 uh, against the Falcons. In that four-game stretch, again, where they went 3-1, and one, the Steelers have run it 140 times for 645 yards, for 4.6 yards per carry. Have the Steelers found an offensive identity around running the football, limiting uh, Kenny Pickett's attempts, playing solid defense, and is, is that the formula? And have they found that formula? And with that being said, is Najee the key to the victory against the Ravens? I think um, – I, I don't think they are good enough of a team, of an offense, to put anything on one person for, for any stretch of time. They are collectively playing very well, and Najee is a big part of that. I would point out – we've discussed it on this show – uh, before they largely cut out gap runs and went almost entirely in zone after the bye, and they've been eating with that. Najee has been eating with that. Uh, the offensive line has blocked very well, in, in my opinion. In that regard, yes, I think running the ball, uh, limiting turnovers the way that they have, is going to be key to whatever they do moving forward, up to and including uh, Sunday versus the Ravens. Two things, though. Kenny Pickett um, has not thrown an interception in, what, four and a half games? Something like that. Very key. I would not say, though, they are limiting uh, his throws. I see them as 
um, they're, they're trying to put together as much as they can. But Pickett ends up throwing 30-plus times a game, which isn't a small number. Uh, in today's NFL, it might be a little bit on, on the, the lower side in comparison to some. But it, it, to me, what it means is they're managing what they have at, at a good level. That's the way that it should be uh, if they are running the ball successfully. And they have been. So they are, they are extending drives. They're running more plays. And because of that, they're having more overall success. It's taking pressure off their defense, which – you know, all due respect to Alex Highsmith, is a, a, a front seven that's largely toothless without uh, the, the the splash play impact of T.J. Watt. It's it's taking pressure off of them. Let, let's put it like this, Lance. If we were to go back to uh, the Jets' loss, the Dolphins' loss, if the Steelers had Week 13 Kenny Pickett playing in that game, in either of those games, I'd be willing to bet they win. Those are both very winnable games. And at that point, we were gnashing our teeth at how terrible they were and whether or not they were going to be top five draft picks. They might come back to cost them the playoffs, the way that it, it, it's shaping out. And a large part of that is the overall success of the offense. And I can't say that that is entirely Najee Harris, entirely the offensive line, or entirely Kenny Pickett. I just know that all three of those components are playing at a much better level than they were in those games. And they, they, you, had, you had two picks on two the, the final two possessions against Miami if Najee is able to cut the or, uh, uh, Pickett is able to cut those out they win those games they, they win against Miami they're able to, to hold on and win that game amazingly considering where they started with it um, against the Jets he turned it over I think on the, the second to last and wasn't able to score on the last uh, they blew a 10-point lead not ideal <clears throat> not the, the best situation for them. And if you get Pickett playing the way that he has recently, uh, I, I think they hang on and win that game. So you're looking then at a, what a seven and five team versus five and seven, obviously a, a, a huge difference going into this point of the season, but they might have the opportunity to overcome that if they continue to do the things well that they have been. I, I think, I think you guys are right. I think you, but I wanted to pose it this way because I think it makes for better conversation. But I think you're right. I think Mel's right. I think Felicia's right. Um, when Felicia says, nope, it's a team sport, need team play pass to rock to whoever who's open. Uh, Mel said, I think Najee is a key, not the key. I do like the running back by committee as well with Jalen and the resurgence of Benny Snell. I think the key There's more the so, and, and and let's talk about the, the formula. And Steelers Freak talks about the 70s formula of grounding and pounding the ball with the great D won't beat top tier one teams, but it will beat ugly teams like the Falcons. He is right. But let me add this to that. I think the key is not necessarily who's running the ball. It's how efficiently they're running the ball. And, the number that that's eerily that's very eerie is that when you look at Najee's four game stretch, he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry. And the team is averaging the same over that course of that four point game. I think the formula might be if you can run the ball efficiently and successfully, then it opens up your offense. I think the one thing that we see, and I can't remember who pointed it out, um, it was earlier in the show, and thank you, everybody, for chiming in. Again, give us a like and subscribe. Go to the New Standard 
on YouTube. Do a search for Lance Williams and or Neil Kulong and the New Standard and join us on podcast. Someone earlier in the show mentioned the red zone issue and the formula and what they're doing now, I think can work if they run the football efficiently at around 4.5, 4.4, anywhere between 4.5, 4.6. I don't know if the number of carries is important as such as the efficiency, run the ball well, generally run the ball well in the red zone. Um, But I think the issue is with that formula, you're going to have to, and with any formula, you have to be a little bit more successful in the red zone. And I think we will see that as Kenny Pickett starts to develop and starts to get better as a player, that they'll be better in the red zone where it can't be a game like Atlanta where you kick, I believe, four field goals and you score one touchdown. Some of that stuff is going to have to convert to touchdowns. But I think if they run it at 4.6 a clip, they're going to be competitive. Anything, I would say anything from 4.3 to 4. Anything 4.3 and above. If they can run it that well and run it in the red zone pretty well, I think they're going to be competitive. So I don't know if Najee is the key. I think the running game is the key, and running efficiently is the key. So let's jump to an analysis of the Ravens game. Let me give you a couple of numbers before we jump into it. And when you look at football outsiders with Lamar Jackson – and, Neil, confirm for me, I know it's Wednesday and it's early in terms of injury stuff, but is Lamar going to play on Sunday? It looks like he's not. It doesn't sound like he will. Understandably, the Ravens are not going to commit to that right now, but just the, the talk is uh, he has a PCL sprain, which it tends to be an injury that, that costs a, a football player at least one week, uh, up to three what we know of it right now is most likely he'll he'll miss this game. Um, it, it would seem like he's going to miss a few. So a uh, good opportunity for uh, the Steelers and the Bengals, uh, for that matter, to, to climb back into things. Looking at some of these numbers, and thank you for that, Neil. Uh, when you look at terms of DVOA in this mm-hmm. matchup, um, Pittsburgh's offense is I'm, 21st. Go ahead, Neil. Sorry, I, I was just rounding that point off. I think that um, – most likely they'll be without Lamar Jackson, uh, which is definitely a good thing for the Steelers overall. <clears throat> You'd rather not have Lamar Jackson in that game. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I mean, in the matchup last year, when they get went up against Tyler Huntley, I mean, he was only 16 of 31 for 141. Wow. With the 37.2 rating got sacked a few times through some interceptions through a key interception late. Uh, that helped the Steelers get that victory. The Steelers were pretty good on defense that day. They also held the Ravens to 3 of 14, 21% on third down. Ravens did have 381, uh, but the Steelers played very well in that game on defense, and that was a very interesting win. In that game, they also, you know, the unfortunate thing in that game, though, is, you know, the Ravens ran it for 250 yards, and that's going to be key in this game, and they averaged – 6.9 yards per carry, ran it 36 times for 249. Uh, Murray had 150 in that game. And and that's going to be key in this game. And as we look at this game, and let's take a look at the DVOA real quick. In this matchup, Pittsburgh's DVOA is 21. They rank 21 against Baltimore's defense, which is nine. Baltimore's offense is ranked sixth. 
and the Steelers' defense is ranked 13th. I think when you look at this game, no Lamar Jackson, you look at what the Steelers have been able to do offensively as their running game has emerged. Highlight a key matchup in this game. What's your thought? Let me add Neil back. Highlight a key yeah. matchup <laughs> in this game, Neil. I honestly, I I hate doing matchups that aren't head to head directly on the field. But to me, that this really is Kenny Pickett versus uh, Tyler Hundley. Um, Hundley, it, I talked about this on a radio spot the other day. It, it's he's a backup, obviously, but the Steelers have starting level experience with him. He started a game against Pittsburgh before. He's one of the more experienced backups in the league. I mean, he's played a lot uh, it, with, with Jackson injuries. I think his ability uh, to find a way to play more consistently over four quarters is critical for the Ravens, uh, and that, that's been the case with them. They have been able to hold games tight with Huntley under center, and he's the type that is playing his best football. He is leading the team. Uh, and playing the, the, the least mistake-laden football late. If you give him the chance at the end of a game, he's going to beat you, and he has. Uh, you might remember, if it wasn't for a, a, a failed two-point conversion attempt at the end, uh, the Steelers don't win one of those games last year. He is not – in a lot of ways, I find him similar to Kenny Pickett, probably a little less talented, a little more mobile. Um, they, you know, that's even debatable – um, I, I don't think he's as accurate as Pickett is. I don't think he's the talent that Pickett is. But the sum of his whole is greater than the sum of his parts. The difference is what we're seeing with Pickett now is you're getting much more consistent play uh, through four quarters from Pickett. Huntley, it, it takes him a while to kind of get going. Uh, he has some real clunker series. He doesn't throw the ball particularly well. He doesn't have a great arm by, by any stretch, one of the, the least arms in the NFL, I would say. Uh, you, you need to get more out of him consistently in a game. But the Ravens are always able, with, with a strong ground game and with an opportunistic defense, they keep games competitive. They keep games close. I understand, and it was said earlier in the comments, that um, he is not – he barely beats the Broncos. Well, I, all right, fine. Um, he came in cold. It, that happens. It's hard to, to leave a stadium with a win when your starting quarterback goes down. He was able to put his best football together on that last drive, and that's what won them the game. Not a great team. Denver plays pretty good defensive football. They're a bad yeah, they're really good defensive. They're, they're a good defensive team. Um, Baltimore had to slog that win out, but the good teams are going to win games against the teams they should beat. You're not going to blow everybody out in the NFL. In fact, this is the closest the NFL has ever been in terms of scoring. Um, a third of their games have been decided by six points or less. That's the, that's the, the most they've ever had. It, teams are a lot more even top to bottom. And I get the problem with the Broncos. They, they can't score to save their lives. They're a historically bad offensive team. Baltimore had to go up against a good defense with far less than their best. And they were able to pull it out. Huntley was a big part of that. So it, to me, a matchup is Huntley, that ability that he has, somebody that uh, it, it takes four quarters to kill him. And to counter it, you've got to score points. And that's not the strong suit of the Steelers. Pickett is going to have to – he's going to have to hit on those passes that I keep talking about every show now. The couple of game that he's missing, he's going to have to hit those. Uh, you mentioned 4.5, 4.6 yards a carry. That's great. 
that's great. You know, when a team is able to dominate with that, you know what they're doing? They're hitting one or two plays for 30-plus yards. Ground, air. The Steelers are not an explosive offensive team. They're going to have to put that together. They're going to have to flip the field. They're going to have to, to continue to play turnover free ball, which I call it a hunch. I don't think that's going to continue this weekend. They're going to have to hit on a few big plays, and that's going to be on Pickett. Pickett has been given the opportunity uh, at a much better level the last couple of weeks. We've seen it. We hate Matt Canada, but he's done a pretty decent job drawing up what this team needs to do to be successful. And with that, uh, he's going to have to execute. And he hasn't. You know, not I'm, I'm not I'm not putting him in Mahomes area at all i'm just saying the top guys are going to hit those plays and that's the difference between a 23 point a game offense and a 31 point a game offense they're going to make those big splash plays pickett's going to have to get a couple of those this weekend if, if they're going to keep huntley down and make sure that that he's not a factor late in the game make sure that it doesn't come down to them having the ball john harbaugh does a, an excellent job of positioning his team strategically to make that sprint at the end to beat uh, uh, perhaps a better team, perhaps a favored team. Uh, the Steelers are three-point favorites in this game. They're going to have to find a way uh, to, to put them out. I, I don't need to say early, but they're going to have to be down. It, it, for the Steelers to, to feel confident, they need to be up eight-plus points uh, before the final drive of the game. Otherwise, Huntley will make it happen. He has uh, – he, he's, he's a tough guy to beat. I think we brought up the name T.J. Watt earlier in the show. Um, and, and Mel was talking about the scoring average over the last four games. I think it's around anywhere between 25 to 28. So they're starting to score some points, scored a lot of points, played really well. They're going to, I agree with you, they're going to have to play a complete four quarters. One of the names we brought up earlier was TJ Watt and TJ Watt not looking the same. And TJ Watt absolutely being a Ravens killer. And I think when you're talking about Huntley, I think one of the keys to this game is the Steelers' pass rush. The Steelers are going to have to rush the quarterback much better in this game than they have over the course of the last few weeks. I think this has to be a game where you really see T.J. Watt break out or kind of be his sane self. Um, And I think this is also a game where you have to get the continued excellence from Cam Hayward. And, And that's an issue for me looking at this game is that The pass rush has been inconsistent over the last several games. But another thing that's concerning, and and speak to this, the Steelers had a little bit of issue um, on Sunday with uh, the Falcons' running game. Do you think that carries over into this matchup? Um, Yes, for for two reasons, really. One, uh, Baltimore is a good running football team schematically. Uh, They're probably not getting quite the results that they would want out of their running game. They've had issues with the running backs. Dobbins hasn't been healthy. Uh, they're, they're capable of running the ball well. We know that. The Falcons uh, have been running well. They're one of the better rushing teams in the game. Uh, 158.9 yards a carry. That, that's second in the league going into this week. I think they had around that. Um, I don't know exactly what the number is, but uh, they had around that against Pittsburgh. I'm not surprised. Um, I think it was a tale of two halves. Atlanta got after them on two drives in the second half. They had time to adjust. They could do some things. Arthur Smith is one of the best uh, running offensive minds in the game. Overall, one of the best offensive minds. 
very innovative. Um, it, it, he's getting a lot out of everything that they have. And frankly, it isn't very much. They're, they're a building team right now. Uh, and I, I think, if anything, they've overachieved to this point. They were going to put something together late. But what happened at the end? Um, I praise Presley Harvin, who did not win uh, AFC Special Teams Player of the Week, unfortunately. Uh, I praised him after the game for, for what had to be the best punt of his career, his entire life. Um, that set up an opportunity, plus given the, the situation of the game, where the Falcons were going to have to throw. And they couldn't have felt real good about that. And it took them one play to screw up and, and give the Steelers the game. Terrible pass by Marcus Mariota, not a high-level quarterback. He has to be set up in, in most ways in order to be successful. And when the chips were down and the Steelers had the ability to just pin back and, and rush, not worry about um, the, the, the ground at all, they made a play. And I, I think Pittsburgh, in a way, can look at Baltimore similarly. Um, I would I would disagree yeah. that, that Tyler Huntley is an accurate quarterback, like it was mentioned in here. I think it's real easy to rip Lamar, and people are, are taking full advantage of doing that. Um, Tyler Huntley's not accurate. It, he's, he's not a good passer, period. I mean, there's no other way around that. They're able to run the ball successfully, whoever is under center. Um, they're not doing that as much. I don't think their their running backs are you know who they wanted to have this year. Lamar is is going to be a, a great running option because well he's a great runner. Uh, without him, they're going to be challenged um, in terms of production. Schematically, though, I have faith that they're able to put stuff together to move uh, the Steelers' defensive line, which has played um, kind of thin. They need to Marvin Leal back. They need to get better performances out of Montrevious Adams. Um, uh, it, Larry Ogunjobi is good for a couple plays a game. He's got to be more consistent, though. The Steelers are going to be challenged this week in practice. I assure you they're going to be challenged. They're going to have to stop the run in this game. And Baltimore can bring that. They're a good rushing football team. Uh, their personnel is lacking a, a, a little bit more, I think, than what you would probably expect from them. But they're a quality running football team. Um, I, I don't know what the number is. If you take out Lamar, it's less than the 157.8 a game that they're currently averaging. But they have the ability to run the ball well uh, 25 times in a game, and that's usually tough to, to handle uh, in an even matchup, which is really what this is. So I, I would expect Baltimore to have some success on the ground. The Steelers are going to have to tighten that up, though. Uh, they're going to have to force um, uh, third and longs, try to get Hundley to put the ball in the air where they can make a play on it and try to flip the field and flip the game. Um, really, it's the same scouting report you usually have against Baltimore. Uh, not a whole yeah. lot has changed, and and they're still a, a a pretty good football team. Let's let's flip sides of the ball and look at the Steelers' offense. We've talked a lot about Kenny Pickett in this show and his maturation, his progression. I, I'm just going to go out there and say this is the biggest game in Kenny's career. Uh, a Baltimore Ravens game at home. Uh, you're playing good football. Won two games in a row. It's Raven week. You have an opportunity to continue to stack wins. It's December football. This is a big game for Kenny. How do you think the offense responds in this game? What do you think the strategy will be? You think the Steelers will continue to be able to run it very well against the Ravens? Or is this a game that's going to be largely put on the shoulders of Kenny Pickett? I haven't checked, but I remember in my reporter days doing a piece uh, leading into a, a, the Michael Vick game in 2015 about how the Steelers just flat out have not run the ball against the Ravens at all. 
Le'Veon Bell became the first Steelers player that week. Um, that week, Le'Veon Bell became the first Steelers player since Jerome Bettis to rush for 100 yards against the Ravens. And they did that with five quarters. That was a that was an overtime game. And I think he finished with like 102. So if, if we expect the Steelers to come out and, and run the ball uh, at will against this team, we're ignoring history completely. Now, teams change week to week, let alone season to season. I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm saying that the Steelers' offense is not good enough at this point to impose their will on a, a, a tough veteran defense like the Ravens. Um, I think it's going to be your quintessential 16 to 13 uh, Steelers Ravens game. And it, we're not going to get much north of three yards of carry uh, uh, out of the Steelers. I, I just, I don't see that happening. Um, again, can Pickett make enough out of the third and longs that he's going to get without turning the ball over uh, to make this a, a competitive game, to maintain field position, to flip the field when needed? They're going to have to hit a big player too. And I, where I sit now, I don't know if they have enough to do that. And more importantly, though, Mike Tomlin loves playing this game ultra conservatively. When he's yes. got a rookie quarterback in the elements, I can't imagine he's looking to air this out all that much. They're really going to stress ball security. Um, they're not going to let turnovers swing the game. Um, will John Harbaugh do the same thing? Will they tell Huntley that? Or will they try to take, opportun take an opportunity uh, to put the game away at some point, make a big play down the field? Um, Deshaun Jackson does one thing and one thing only, and they want him on the field. They just signed him to the active roster. So I'd imagine they're going to take a shot. I don't know if the Steelers will. So um, I, I, I don't think the Steelers' ground game, though highly emphasized, is going to be particularly effective. And to me, that suggests you're going to have to throw out of a couple tough situations. And on top of that, like, like is, you know, a, a usual plan against the Ravens team, you're going to have to play at, at a high level on special teams. You're going to have to punt. Well, you're gonna have to kick. Well, you're gonna have to cover. You're gonna have to do whatever you can to maintain field position because these games are often swung on special teams. And speaking of the weather on Sunday, I'm looking at the weather report. It's supposed to be rainy, high of 45, low yeah, of 34. Just, you couldn't and, ask uh, for a more Steelers-Ravens game than this. It's yeah, going to be just does. ground and pound, 2.8 yards gray. of play. Yeah, yeah, it's it, going to be gray as shit. And, sloppy, and messy passing game is done. They're not going to run well. Um, right, absolutely. Defense is there, but it's just it, it, it's it's going to be an ugly-looking game. Um, that's Let typical. Let me ask you this. It's not surprising for them in December. Let me ask you this. You, you, you're talking about that you think that the running game will be inconsistent and that Kenny will have to make some plays in some critical situations and some third and mediums and third and longs. Who, who's the guy that he targets in those situations? And let me give a big shout out. I think I know who you're going to say, but let me give a big shout out because my brother says I never give Friar Muth props. But it feels like he has a nice rapport with Fryermuth. He's missed him on some throws, but it feels like he has a nice rapport with Fryermuth and Fryermuth is becoming <laughs> and he's rated very well on PFF. I think PFF he's the number 7 rated tight end. I think Fryermuth is better than I thought he would be. Um I don't think he'll ever ascend to the level of a Travis Kelsey. You're talking about possibly the greatest tight end of ever, 
or, or Gronk or somewhere like that. But I think he will continue to be a very good player. Um, who Who's that guy that, that gets targeted? Um, and who's that guy that, that that's going to make these plays uh, and help Kenny make these plays in this game? Who Who's the guy that you think in the passing game is going to stand out in this matchup? I not to to be generic, but I, I think it's Frymouth. I mean, we, we've seen uh, his targets go up quite a bit since uh, Claypool left. That really is uh, uh, proximity on the field. Um, short of the really nice um, skinny post that he ran, the the throw that Pickett missed that I've mentioned like twelve times. I'm going to keep saying it because oh god, I, I, he wants that throw back real bad. Um, he doesn't go down the seam a whole lot. He is coming underneath a bit more. Um, we talked about what two weeks ago, I think it was against the, the, the Bengals, maybe against the saints, go back or the lions, go back to that. Um, Frymouth was split out wide. He was outside the numbers and he ran a sharp in against a cornerback and beat him inside and pick it, put it right on his hands. Um, you're seeing the chemistry develop between those two. And that's good. Um, Frymouth is probably, um, he is their biggest target uh, size-wise. He's a very athletic option down the field. They're still throwing the ball a bunch to Deontay Johnson, and that's his position, um, that that's going to continue. Johnson's going to have more targets than Farmer in this game, but I'm willing to bet come third down, Pat's the guy he's looking for. And to, to some degree, I think that he should. Uh, it, it makes sense. What can they do to get him open? Um, how are they going to set him up early within their script to develop what they'll do with him later in the game? Uh, that's the real chess match of football. And I, I think Frymouth is the most important piece the Steelers have being on their quarterback on the offensive side of the ball. It's how can they move him around, exploit coverage um, against a very good, very well-coached secondary uh, that you have in Baltimore. It, Pat, is, is he's going to be critically important in this game. And I know that everybody loves him, and they all yell Heath when he catches the ball, and he's not local, but at least he was in the state. And it's a lot of credit being given to Pat Frymouth and, and a lot of people giving him Kelsey-like accolades, which is not even remotely true or fair. But yeah. he is a quality football player. Can they get him uh, a little bit deeper down the field? Can he make bigger plays? Um, he has 76 targets and one touchdown, Lance. Now that pales in comparison quite a bit to Deontay Johnson's 105 targets and zero touchdowns. Wow. But Varmuth should be a, a red zone threat. Everybody knows that. They blanket him in the red zone. He can do more inside the 20s um, and, and, and open this offense up to stay away from that, that real tricky 40-plus yard field goal range. You talked about the red zone earlier. I would challenge it from last week. They didn't get in the red zone enough. They're kicking yeah. from the, the 25. You know, they, they've got to move deeper down the field and that's where those big plays come into to uh uh you notice the lack of them when you get to that point now you have less field to work with they're not worried about you going deep they're all sitting 10 yards a line from away from the line of scrimmage if you haven't stretched them vertically you don't have room to operate when it comes to shorter space and a guy like Frymouth is getting blanketed at that point they've got to utilize him to make the plays down the field and try to open up the outsides a little bit more uh, will they do that in the weather? Will they do that with Pickett? I bet right now that they won't because they never do. But, it, you know, that's just my useless two cents. I think that that's something they need to uh, they need to establish a little bit more. I think this is going to be a game where 
you know, as they kick so many field goals, this is going to be a game where, you know, no Chris Boswell may show up uh, pretty big Probably in a game not. that's that that that's typically tight. Um, you know, it, you know, this seems like a game where it's coin tossy, missed field goal here or there, turnover here or there. Before we get into our game predictions, this is George Pickens' uh, first matchup in this series. King George, after. Uh, being highly, well, I don't know if he was highly criticized for being emotional or pouting during the too, game, but too much. You know how you think, in my opinion. You know, you know how how you think King George responds to that from last week, and how do you think they'll utilize King George in this game? Because I think he's a weapon. I think there's a nice camaraderie and a light, nice uh, chemistry between him and Pickett. Um, how, how do you think he responds in this big matchup, going up against a pretty solid tandem of corners in this game? I think the tough part here is we often see the squeaky wheel getting the grease when the calmer heads have prevailed. So Pickens, who I, I honestly, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be that guy in saying this. I'm not trying to, to, to sound like I'm a big shot or anything, but if you've been on an NFL sideline, trust me, most guys are pissed when they come off the field. Okay. That it happened to be, he was much more demonstrative about it than he should have been. And there was a shot. Nobody's talking about this. It really bothers me. There was a shot of Cam Hayward going up and basically speaking into his ear on the sideline. In other words, I don't want yeah. anyone looking to try to figure out what I'm saying to you right now. They don't know whether I'm whisper shouting at you or I'm giving you encouragement, but we are stepping up to tell you to knock it the bleep off, okay? It's an emotional game. Guys get fired up. What Pickens did uh, in, in function is very common. The difference is Pickens as a rookie didn't kind of not make it something the cameras are going to notice. He's a rookie. I'm willing to bet that's what Cam Hayward told him. You can't freak out and, and throw your body everywhere chuck your helmet the cameras are going to see that and then all of us are going to have to talk about this for the next week so chill out okay if you're not getting the ball get with the coordinator get with your coach figure it out but all of that is very typical of a wide receiver think of it like this this is just me if we were if we were playing football and my job that day like this was for george pickens was to run a bunch of total 30 yard routes at 90% speed and not get the ball ever. And on the last one, when you're tired, you're jacked up, your, your heart rate is going, you notice the ball went to the opposite side of the field underneath and the guy dropped it. You might be a little heated, okay? It, it's, it's understandable. He needs to control it so it's not something that gets caught on camera in, in you know 4K definition. We, we can't let him do that if we're on the team. But they're all like that. That said, it, it's it's a big moment for a big player. I'm sure he wants to, to go out and make an impact in this game. I'm willing to bet they're going to give him the ball early just for that reason. Let's get him involved. Every team does it. it it's as, as reliable as clockwork. We know that he's going to get the ball, and they're going to give it to him short, high percentage throw to not risk something down the field. Give him the opportunity to make an impact on the game. Is it going to do anything? Probably not. But get him the ball. Let him get hit. Let him get in the flow of the game. Um, over the course of the game, if it's there, I significantly hope 
they take a shot. I don't know if they will or not. Uh, just the nature of this game. They don't tend to, to try to make big plays down the field. But I think Pickens, um, he's, he's a playmaker. He wants to make plays down the field, and he's shown that he can do that. Um, I hope that they can get him something catchable down the field. It doesn't have to be the combat catch all the time. Uh, if he's getting open, which, to be honest with you, not 100% sure he's open as, as often as he thinks he is, uh, get him the ball, try to get him to make a play, but you can't sacrifice your entire offense just to make him happy either. And I think everybody would agree with that, including George Pickens. So yeah, let's see how they do it. But um, I, I like the idea of getting him the ball because he's a good player. I, I don't think they need to force feed him 15 targets 20 yards down the field. But I, I think they can get him involved in a couple different ways. Get the ball in his hands, see if he can make a play. It's prediction time, and we got a couple of predictions <coughs> in the chat. And thank you, everybody, for hopping on the program. The New Standard. To find us, go to the New Standard in YouTube.com. Do a search for Neil Kulong and or Lance Williams. You could do the same on your podcast feeder and find us there as well. Reginald Rivers has us at 2316 Steelers. Uh, I think there was another prediction in here, uh, if I could find it. Um, but what's your prediction for this game? Give me a score. And Mel has us at 21-18, nail biter, with the defense needing a stop in the last drive. That That's probably what it'll be. Um, good prediction there, Mel, with the whole theater as well. Give me your prediction. I'm not, I'm not at the point I can expect the Steelers to score three touchdowns in a game. Um they just don't seem to be able to do that. They can't finish drives. Um, they're, they're still committing penalties that kill them, that knock the momentum out. They're getting field goals. Um, I don't know how reliable the kicker that they have is. Matthew Wright has hit, what, seven in a row, something like that, uh, after a, a terrible start uh, to, to his new Steelers career. Uh, Chris Boswell is eligible to come back. I don't know whether he will or not. Um, as we sit right now recording this Wednesday morning, I'm going to say that we don't know. So let, let's just go ahead and assume that it's going to be right again. Uh, the Steelers have beat Baltimore four times in a row. That's never happened. Um, that's a, that's a four game winning streak. John Harbaugh, Steve Bashadi, the owner of the Ravens, they take the Steelers game, in my opinion, far more personally then the Steelers take the Ravens game. They're going to sell out to win this game. I think they've put everything into this game. If anything, Harbaugh usually wins the big emotional game against the Steelers and then lays a dump all over the field the next week. I think they did that last week, and now this is the one that they had circled. Uh, I, I think Baltimore's going to end the winning streak. I'm going to say we'll, we'll flip the score from last week. I think Baltimore 19, Pittsburgh 16. Ooh, 1916 field goal fest. Very yep. limited, very few touchdowns in this game. I'm going to go with the hot hand in Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they keep the streak going, and I'm, I'm saying 21-17. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't think they can score three touchdowns. I think that'll be very difficult. If they score three touchdowns, one of them will be a defensive score. Um, and you score two touchdowns on offense, you score a defensive score, and it kind of gets out of hand somewhere like that. I love the fact that they're coming home with some momentum and they're playing pretty well. Um, this is a big spot for Pickett. I think Pickett rises to the challenge 
And I like the Steelers in this game 21-17. I think they'll play just well enough. I like the scenario that uh, Mel talks about where they're going to have to do uh, get a stop on the last drive, sort of like they did last year in Baltimore uh, when they got the critical interception late. Um, I do like the Steelers to win this game 21-17. Uh, Felicia chimed in 16-10 Steelers win with your heart clitching, but acting like uh, eating the sofa cushion moment. Absolutely. I think it's, and it always tends to be like that because of, I think what Neil said earlier, Tomlin plays this game close to the vest. And I think that's his nature on offense as well. I think he's a defensive guy. I mean, he likes to throw the ball and do all that stuff, but he wants to limit turnovers. He wants to limit turnovers and he he wants to keep it close to the vest and, and not lose games as opposed to not win games. He doesn't want to lose games um, offensively by making mistakes. Um, <laughs> and Not sure if I am the only one here, Lance cut out or what, but um, yeah. yeah, my prediction being what it is, there's Lance. Yeah, for some now reason I'm hopping out the studio. But before we get out of here, Neil, um, any, any any last nuggets? I wanted to get into my quick hypothetical. Hypothetical. We got a uh, we got a couple of seconds here. Let me jump into one thing. One quick hypothetical. Steelers draft a wide receiver in the first round. You think that could happen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, historically, they don't. Uh, it's been a while since they've taken one, and obviously they've had a lot of success uh, not having to use that capital on receivers. I think that's a product of the college game today. There are a lot of very good receivers. Um, most drafts now are like eight, nine guys deep. Um, so guys have been available in the second round that are pretty premium-level uh, players, and guys that, that are pretty good, uh, perhaps without the elite traits, are available in the third. So um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past them. I don't know why um, they'd want to write that off. People act like this team is just loaded with wide receivers the way that it has been in the past. That's absolutely not true at all. Um, you have two of them right now. And one of them, it, it, again, 105 targets. He hasn't scored a touchdown. <laughs> the other one is complaining about not getting the ball. I mean, it, it's, I think playmakers win in today's NFL. I think if you have the opportunity to get a playmaker, uh, you really need to take advantage of it. You can't have enough of them. Don't tell me that they're loaded at receiver. They don't have a slot receiver right now. Um, Steven Sims is not going to be their slot receiver next year. So if, if they don't invest in R1, it wouldn't surprise me if they signed a veteran to play in the slot. Don't know where Calvin Austin's going to be. I hope he's he's a, a guy that they want. I don't even know if they're going to play him in the slot. I it, you know we, we aren't sure of that. Uh, getting somebody that's a little bit more experienced in the slot as opposed to chase claypool more of a juju type i think would benefit them quite a bit that wouldn't be a first round pick but uh it would not surprise me uh if they address the slot receiver position at some point this offseason and it obviously depends on where they are and and who's available but i don't have any problem at all uh with the steelers going with uh, a, a wide receiver wide receivers are critically important throughout all of the nfl you need guys that can get down the field. You need guys that can make plays. Uh, you can't have enough of that. So if, if that's your guy in R1, I sure, I, I don't have an issue with that, Lance. Yeah, I think this is a sign, me hopping out of the studio every 
two seconds is a is a good sign that we might as well go ahead and wrap this up. It's been a very, very interesting show. I want to thank you, Neil, for staying on, man. I know you had some challenges this morning. Thank you for staying on, hopping in, doing your thing. It happens. It's life. It's okay. It's all good. But with that, we are going to conclude the program. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steel.